Welcome back to the Mortgages, Money and More podcast. I am Craig Skelton, Principal of CS Mortgage Solutions and CS Retirement Solutions. My guest today is Angela Owens and we're talking about first-time buyers. Welcome back, Angela. Hello, thank you for having me back. Thank you for coming back. So I didn't put you off the first time. It was episode seven and help to buy was the last time you was on the podcast. Is that right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yep. No, I wasn't frightened off. It was fine. I think that seems to be the case where uh, we get people, once people have done it, like once and broke the broke the back of it and then the nervousness then uh, it seems to be people yeah I'll do this yeah I'll do that I want to talk about that so uh, good no but I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule being up in Sunderland and in Teesside and then down in Ripon so I uh, appreciate it Angela thank you very much no problem so we're talking about first time buyers today and sort of what the idea is just really to explain the process of owning your first home is that fair to say Yes, yeah, absolutely. I love working with first-time buyers because it's such an exciting time. To be able to help with that process is, is really good. Definitely. I think you're right. It is, I think it's a double-edged sword for people. You go through the, it's the exciting time of you're looking for your first home and booking viewings and it is the exciting time. But then at the same time, it's the not knowing of what the process is or not knowing what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing and things like that. So hopefully we can clear that up a little bit today. That's the idea. Absolutely. Hopefully. Cool. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I'm a first-time buyer, Angela, and we'll, we'll talk about deposits in a bit in a bit more detail, but what's the first thing I should be doing when I'm aiming to look to buy my first home? There's a couple of things that I would definitely recommend. So one of the early things you would do was would be to speak to a mortgage advisor, but there's a few things I would just suggest doing before you get to that point. I would have a think about what you think you can afford to spend each month, what you think your monthly budget would be for a mortgage, just so you have a bit of an idea in your head to start the process off. So what I would do, I would sit down and make a budget planner and just list all of your outgoings, what your income is and what you would feel comfortable spending each month on a mortgage. And there's also other things you would want to think about there as well. So obviously, once you buy your house, you are going to then have costs for insurance, so house insurance, life insurance, also all of your utility bills. So you're going to want a really good idea of what your outgoings are now and what you think you can afford as a top level out of those outgoings. I totally agree with you. I think it is a great place to start. It's not the most interesting place to start. I think I think people get excited about, let's, get, let's look at some houses and look at the houses, what we can get and things like that. But you're absolutely right. I think that the most important bit is to, and you're right with your suggestion, is start with your monthly budget. How much do you want to spend per month? How much can you afford to spend per month? And I think it, going back to what you said, it is about being realistic because that's your mortgage. That's your monthly commitment. Nobody's going to pay that mortgage for you or you, that is what you're committing to spending each month. And I think you have to be realistic from that point of view. Beforehand, there's just a few boring things you have to get out of the way before you start going to the exciting viewings and things like that. So that would definitely be my starting point. And then just another couple of boring things I would do as well before you start speaking to a mortgage advisor would just be to make sure your house is in order, so to speak. So by that, just making sure that your personal details are all correct. So make sure that you're registered on the electoral roll 
all of the property that you're currently living in. So that is a really big thing when you apply for a mortgage. It can cause a few problems or cause delays if your information isn't correct. So I would definitely ensure that you're registered on the electoral roll and make sure that your name and address is correct on all of your bank statements, your ID, so your driving license. So I see a lot of clients where they're not registered on the electoral roll, the bank statement addresses are wrong and it can cause some problems because when you apply for a mortgage you're going to have to prove where you live, how long you've lived there for, um, you're going to have to prove your ID so you just need to make sure that all of those things are absolutely correct just to help the process go as smoothly as possible. It sounds like speaking from experience there Angela, I can tell in your voice you've had, you've had that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot. <laughs> but it's a very good point because people don't think about those sort of like house in order details to when they're looking to buy the first home. So good points, good points. Yeah, definitely. Good. Okay, so you've got your house in order to a certain extent. You've done a budget planner or you've, you've worked out your monthly budget. And then the next thing you said then would be speak to a mortgage advisor. That's your starting point, yeah? Yeah, so I would speak to a mortgage advisor. Once you speak to a mortgage advisor, you can take everything that you've already done, so your budget planner and and things like that, take it to a mortgage advisor, and then they can help build on that a little bit more. So they can help advise on rough costs of certain things and just build a, a bigger picture of it all for you. But the key things that the mortgage advisor is going to do when you see them is they they're going to take your information, your personal information, gather details around your finances, um, your incomings, your outgoings. And then what the advisor will be able to do is let you know exactly what you can afford to borrow. So what the top amount would be that you can afford to take out as a mortgage. So at that point, you then know what type of house prices you can start looking at. Just going back to what you were saying there about sitting down with the mortgage advisor and looking at what you can afford and look looking at your borrowing potential, I think it's important to just pick up at that point that you can go to your bank, that can be a starting place for some people, but you are just limiting yourself at that stage to look at what, if you bank with the Halifax and been with the Halifax for a number of years and you go and sit down with the mortgage advisor, the Halifax, they're only going to give you what the Halifax can potentially lend you borrow, whereas other lenders might be, you might not meet the criteria with Halifax and that might put you off or you might be able to borrow more with other lenders, which might mean that you, you look, it's still affordable and it's still within your budget. However, you could look be looking at that three-bedroom house rather than that two-bedroom door. You might be able to get that semi rather than the, the terrace and things. You might be able to just stretch yourself a little bit more from, from you looking at your purchase capabilities as well. So. Absolutely. So with an advisor, generally an advisor works from a panel of lenders and the advisor will know the, the criteria of all of those lenders. So what the advisor can do, they can match you with the best lender to suit your needs. So whether that's the lender that can can lend you the most money, they can find that lender for you. If, it's, if you have some niche criteria that you need to meet, again, an advisor can match you with the best lender to suit your needs in that situation. So if you just go to your bank you might end up not being able to lend as much there might be complications with the application that could slow you down at some point and it might not be the best interest rates once you do get to that point as well so a seeing advice is just going to make sure that you get the absolute best mortgage product that's going to suit your needs that's the starting point doing the budget and speaking to an advisor so that's one of the key things and especially at the moment with covid and the lenders and things like that is deposit so do you want to just explain about what 
what deposit that you need right now and like things like what gifted deposits are and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. With a deposit, at the moment, you would need a minimum of 10% deposit. Pre-COVID, you would have the option of being able to proceed with a 5% deposit, but unfortunately, that has stopped at the moment. Hopefully, it will come back at some point, but at the moment, it would be a minimum of 10%. And then with the 10%, there is very few lenders that are doing mortgages with a 10% deposit. So if you could get up to the 15, that would give you more options. But yeah, it's deposit is absolutely key at the moment so your deposit can come from a variety of ways so it can be savings nice and straightforward if you have that amount of savings in the bank but also you can get deposits gifted from family members so generally it would need to be an immediate family member with most lenders but there are a couple of lenders that will allow deposits from friends as well as less immediate family members as well so your family member would just need to sign something to say that it was a gift that they were giving you but yeah you would absolutely be able to proceed with that type of deposit as well and you finding that a lot at the moment with the days of 95% lending and are no longer there at this moment in time so are you finding that bank of mum and dad or bank of grandparents is more popular than ever before Yes, definitely. With the current circumstances, people are just needing that little bit of extra help to get onto the the housing ladder. So we are definitely seeing a lot more gifted deposits at the moment. I've got my deposit gifted or from my savings. I'm I'm sat down speaking with you and I've done my budget planner. I know what deposit I've got. I'm sat down with you. What are you going to be doing in the sort of the first appointment when I'm sat down with you? And what's the aim of that the appointment? What I'm gonna what I'm gonna walk away with? Uh huh. So what I would do once I'd gathered all of your information, we discussed your options, we discussed your deposit. I would be explaining a lot of information to you around how mortgages work, the different types of mortgages that you can get, the different types of interest rate. So there's a variety of different interest rates. I won't bore you with the um, ins and outs of those right now, but I would be explaining all of those in detail to you so you fully understood exactly how the mortgage worked, what your options were what your choices were and just help you figure out what would be the best fit for you in terms of the mortgage product once i've got that information i would then try to get you a decision in principle and I say try, generally, I, I would get you a decision in print. Basically, that is just me taking your information to a lender, whichever lender I think best suits your needs and your criteria at that moment in time. I would give them your information and then they would basically come back to me and say, yes, based on this information, we would be willing to give you a mortgage as long as everything checks out. And that is basically your decision in principle. So at that point, you can go ahead and start viewing houses with um, a relative amount of confidence that when it comes to an application, you are in a good place to be able to go ahead with a full application. With a decision in principle, it's not a guarantee that you will get a mortgage, but generally we will have checked all of your criteria out with that lender. We'll have told them your circumstances. And as long as everything does check out at full application, you are in a pretty strong chance of getting that mortgage at that point. Good. And I think that's, you're right, Angela, to point out, because I think that I know full well of the, the sort of detail that you go to before you submit the agreement in principle with a particular lender. So you've already seen the pay slips and know that the income is right on the system and things like that. And I think that's important that gives you your success rate of agreements in principles is high because you do key that information at the start. So you, you do sit there with the, sometimes with the, the client's 
credit file and things like that. So you can then, you're seeing what the lenders say, which gives you a far greater chance of getting accepted on, a, on agreement in principle. So why do I need an agreement in principle? Why is that important at this stage? So you just need to know that you are procedable and the estate agents need to know that you're procedable. So by procedable, that means that you, in theory, will be able to get a mortgage. So you can confidently go and view properties and know that you can put an offer on those properties because you stand a very good chance of getting a mortgage. And also with the estate agents, if you were to put an offer on a property, they would not accept that offer until you had a decision in principle because they need to know that you can proceed and you can get a mortgage before they can take that house off the market. Um, So it's very important for that reason as well. And also at the moment in the world of COVID, some estate agents are asking for a decision in principle before they'll even let you view a property just because they need to limit the amount of people that are going into other people's houses. So they need to know that you are in a really good procedural position before they will let you go and view houses so it's absolutely essential that you do have that before you do start the whole viewing process perfect because we do see people that do and this is no fault of them or it's just understanding what the process is but we do see quite a few people that have go out there and view put offers forward and then get an offer accepted and from a first-time buy point of view the estate agent was saying to me need to get an agreement in principle now and then that's when a panic mode sets in from a first-time buyer because, and we see and, be, and clients are contact us saying, I need to get an agreement in principle now and we need to get on with this. Whereas that's not, there's no harm in doing it that way, but you're in a far better position if you're doing it the way that we're talking about where they've sat down with yourself from the start before they start putting offers forward because then the agreement principle is already there and it, it's in that you've got it, it's in the, the client's hand and then they know they can get straight to the estate agent to get that offer accepted and get that house off the market. Absolutely. And also I've seen some situations where people have gone and viewed a house and made an offer, come to get the decision in principle, and then they find out that they just can't afford to lend as much as they thought they could. And then that's just hugely disappointing for the clients as well. So it can be quite upsetting and it can put some people off wanting to buy for a little bit as well, just because they've just had that disappointment so yeah get, getting everything in place before that point definitely just makes things go smoother it avoids any disappointment that you might feel later on and also when you do make an offer on a property initially your first offer might not be accepted so if you know exactly what you can afford to lend how much higher you can make your offers if you did want to so it just really helps you to be able to to view the houses you want and and potentially be able to get a successful offer on those houses as well. And you touched on this a little bit before when you said about the electoral role and the driving license and things like that with the, the, the addresses matching. Is there anything else that you can do to boost your chances of getting the, a mortgage and getting, well, getting agreement principle and getting a mortgage through? Uh, definitely. So what I would always recommend is just keeping an eye on your credit file. When you do any applications with any lenders, they will check your credit file as part of that application. So it's important that you know exactly what is on that credit file. So what your credit file shows you is all of your credit commitments and just how well you manage those credit commitments. So if you've had any late payment, they would show on that credit file. If you'd had any defaults or CCJs or anything like that, they would show 
show up on the credit file. Making sure you know exactly what's on your credit file is essential because one, if what's on it, then you can manage what's on it. Or if you have made a late payment, then you know that and then you can correct that by making sure you don't make any more late payments. Once you've had a late payment, it can affect you in the initial stage for around about three months. But then once you've caught up on those payments, it's not something that will cause you a massive problem. But it's just important that you do make sure that you're keeping up with your payments on time and in full on any credit commitments that you have, because it will cause problems if you don't. So yeah, just be aware of exactly what is on your credit file. And then also, I do have a lot of first time buyers that do come to me and they have no credit commitments. It's a really difficult one because people think that they're doing the right thing by not getting credit cards or loans and things like that, which in theory, it's great. From a lender's point of view, they like to see that you can manage credit. So they like to know that you've got credit available to you and you've managed that. You've made all of your payments on time. You've not exceeded the amount of credit that's available to you. So actually, if you are a first-time buyer and you have never had any credit, I would recommend potentially looking at getting maybe one or two credit cards and just putting a small amount on them each month and then just paying them off in full each month. So you could use one for your petrol or your, your food shopping and just pay that off within the month so you're not incurring any interest. It's not costing you anything. But when the lenders look at your credit file, they can see that you're managing your credit in a really, really good way. And that is going to give you so many more mortgage options because we do have lenders out there that will not lend to somebody that has never had any credit. So if you're a first time buyer that has never had any credit, there's still some options out there for you, but just not as many. It is definitely something that I would recommend looking into. Like I said, I think that's a very valid point that first-time buyers won't necessarily think like that. They're thinking, I've, I've not got a credit card, I've never had any debt, and that puts you in a great situation, which is actually has the adverse on that. And I think it's very a good point of using your credit card for your petrol or your weekly shopping. I think the, the important bit is making sure that you get you pay it off every month and don't leave any. It just shows, like say, you're managing credit, which is a very good point. And just another key point with that. So when I talked about your credit file and knowing what's on your credit file, in terms of default and CCJs, people sometimes think that if they don't mention it, that, that potentially the lender might not pick it up. The lender will always pick that up. So they will never approve a mortgage application without checking your credit file. So if there is something on your credit file, like a default or a CCJ, you do need to be really honest about that. And I can understand why people don't want to mention it because I think it's going, going to affect the chances. And it will, but there's still options available to you. So when you sit down with your mortgage advisor, it's vital that you're totally honest about what is on your credit file. And because if you have a default or several defaults, if you tell us that in that first appointment, there's still options that we can find for you. So there may still be lenders that we can place you with and get you a mortgage with. But if you're not honest in that first appointment, then potentially we're going to put in an application for a decision in principle for you, which is going to be declined and it's just going to slow down the whole process so it is just vitally important that you are honest because we can still help you no matter what is on your credit file we will still be able to make recommendations to you no, i think that's a very valid point and i think that's and it's again i can telling your voices again talking from experience and they like say you do understand that people 
do think that way sometimes, but you're not, as the mortgage advisor, you're not there to judge them or anything like that. That's their circumstances. So you're not, you're not, I don't know, you're not rolling your eyes at anybody like that. It's literally, you just want to know what you're dealing with. And the only way and the best way you can give the advice and recommendation is knowing full situation of, of your client because like you say it will get found out in the end you will know what their credit file looks like however it just needs to be right from the start that when you it just saves time and a credit search and things like that doesn't take like you say you're going to go with a lender that won't accept them and they won't accept them based on that situation but if they've not disclosed that to you you'll find out it's just been a waste of sort of time and credit score because you could have gone to the right lender and you would have gone to the right lender from the start because that's what you do Absolutely. It's just so disappointing when I have to go back to a client and tell them that they've been declined. And it's disappointing because I I don't want the first time buyers or any buyers to feel that disappointment if they do get declined. It can just be a really sad situation that actually if we had all of the information at the start, we can find the right lender and avoid any disappointing situations like that and hopefully get and accept the first time because we've got all the information no definitely perfect anything else on boosting your chances on getting a mortgage no i think we've covered most of the things there i think what we need to and i knew this was going to happen with the first time buyer podcast is that we had in-depth conversation and we've only touched on the first part of the process which is actually getting the mortgage and getting the agreement in principle and there's all the other stuff behind it in terms of what happens when you're arranging viewings and when you found your home and your new home and what happens like questions you need to ask in the vendor and things like that and i think to find you we'll pick those up on another time in terms of part, maybe we'll have first time buyer podcast part two I think we need to do that because I think we've we've covered the starting point from the first time by point of view because we've not even talked about stamp duty and solicitors and what's a survey and all things like that but we've definitely covered in depth about the starting point of what the first time buyer should be looking at uh, when looking to buy the the first home is that fair to say yeah definitely definitely Brilliant. Okay, so we're going to get you back, Angela. I know that's going to be another painful experience for you. I'm just joking. That's first time by a podcast part one, and we've taken you to the Angela. I've taken you to the point of getting your agreement in principle, and we've, like I said, we'll move on to what you should be doing from a viewing point of view and things like that. Not next podcast. Angela, thank you again for taking the time to be part of the Mortgage Money More podcast, and you are going to be back, so we'll be inviting you back to covering the first time by a part two. And thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Angela. Thank you.